Insert theme song here. We got two turntables and a microphone, bitch. We're back. Welcome to A Warp to Remember. My name is Zoe, and I am joined by my beautiful co-host, Rachel. Hey. And we're back this time to explore the mid-90s. We're very excited to look at some songs from 95 and 96 that we think will kick us off into looking into the first year of Warp Tour. So we uh, are interested in this podcast because we are excited to look back at the history of the Warp Tour, um, all 24, 25 years of it, explore who played, where did they play, why did they play, who were the main key people involved in the scene uh, at the tour, and then how the tour influenced music as a whole during this uh, journey. So we've got a bunch of cool songs for you from 95 and 96, um, which is thrilling because we were young tots during this I was this born. Yeah. <laughs> I was all of four and five years old, and Rachel was all born. born. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> while we're by no means experts on life at that time, we can still appreciate the music, and we're very excited to share some of it with you today. So Rachel, what's our first song? And we're here to learn. We're here to grow. We're here to have fun. So like Zoe said, we're going to do a fun-ass episode next week covering the actual nitty-gritty history of 95 and 96. So I wanted to pick a song that, number one, came out at that time, obviously. And I was delighted to find out that my fa- this is actually my favorite song by this band. I'm having trouble trying to sleep I'm counting shit but running out As time ticks by Still I try No rest for cross tops in my mind On my own, here we go So, that was Brain Stew by Green Day, which I was delighted to find. That is my favorite Green Day song. And I was delighted to find out that it's off of Insomniac. I don't know why I thought it was off Dookie, but it's not. So it fits our fucking timeline, and I was thrilled. So Green Day did not play 95-96 Warped Tour, but they were a huge... They only played one year. Yeah. They played 2000. They're, like, such a well-known... I feel like when you think Warped Tour, you think like Blink-182 and Green Day. Yeah. And Green Day played one fucking one year. year. The only year that I think Weezer played, too. That's so wild. Yeah. But um, I picked them anyway. I feel like they're so indicative of this moment. They're so indicative of how this movement was building. I know that they're like old pictures of Blink-182 and they're playing garages. They're wearing Green Day t-shirts. It's just so... It was such a self-referential moment where like all of these bands were around and alive at the same time and a lot of them were in the same location and they were just having a good fucking good time. And um, Brain Stew is one of my favorite things. So part of why I love it. It's such a fucking vibe, dude. So I know in the last episode we talked about love songs, obviously. So it was like, 
holding hands at camp and like going to the mall. Whereas I feel like brain stew is the antithesis of that, where it's like sitting in fucking class, wanting to gouge your eyes out because you're so bored and you're over it and you're better than this, but you have nothing better to do all day. And it's just such a mood <laughs> and the build of it, just the done, done, done. It's just so good. And it never lets up yes. and it's so steady and it never, it builds, but it doesn't. It's mm-hmm. this weirdly stable song that like revs you up the whole time. And it just reminds me of like, either sitting in class wanting to fucking die in algebra (laughs) or like sitting in your room like my friends are lame and no one's free and like my mom doesn't want me to go out and I have nothing to do and like uh so you like paint your nails and like cut out pictures of Frank Iero from alt press and like pretend that you're an adult Mm -hmm. and that's the vibe and that's why I picked it but please give me your thoughts (laughs) I love that you picked uh that's kick us off with Green Day and Brain Stew. I I totally agree when you your your point that it it has that that really repetitive the uh, guitars and the bass at the beginning with that dunna 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 dunna. To me, that almost sounds like the um, like minute hand on the clock or maybe the second hand. But, yes, right? that's the vibe. Yeah. Yes, where it's just kind of like really slowly ticking by, and you're like, God, oh, can it just please, please move faster, but it it will never Mm -hmm. move faster. And I agree that musically the build is it like the, the drums come in fuller, the guitar starts to shred a little bit more. So like we get this sound build, but Billy's voice, I think stays, um, pretty, pretty much in the same kind of tone. Like you're saying almost monotone. Yeah. Like it's almost monotone singing, which is pretty impressive. So Mm -hmm. like he would literally be basically singing like three different notes. They're all really close together, but it's, it's impressive to have that, to establish that mood so clearly from the beginning and stick with it. Yeah. Crooked spine, my senses dull. That's the point of delirium. But I, I love that you mentioned that because my favorite part in it, which I don't know if you'll clip it out or not for the edit, but it's, I sang along when he goes, my face is numb. It's like the one time he breaks the monotony is to like whine about it. Face is numb. Yeah. And it's such a like precursor to Tom DeLonge. It's such a precursor to everyone. Yes. It's such a fucking mood, but it's also harkens back to like OG punk, like mm-hmm. that good, good sex mm-hmm. pistol shit of just like whining and barely enunciating because fuck it, fuck the patriarchy, fuck anarchy, everything like vibes, but it's also so suburban feeling and yeah. so like school feeling. Yes. And then there's also, I can't not mention Part of why I love this song so much and what actually put it more on my radar the older I got was there's this great sequence in Stick It to this song. Wait, did you ever see Stick It? The ABC Family? No. No, Stick It was a gymnastics movie. It was oh. basically the punk yes. version. It was like the punk gymnastics bring it on. Because <laughs> she does her fucking floor routine to Anthem Part 2, dude. It's a game changer. Oh, oh. So they have this great sequence where it's, like, all these gymnastics girls, like, all these gymnasts, like, super burnt out, like, laying around, like, super spent from their work, and it's to this. And it's such a vibe. (laughs) In addition, like, I already loved the song, and then they used it in that movie, and I was like, oh, what a mood. It's so fun. So I just had to mention that. But I I highly recommend Stick It. It's a great movie. It has a killer soundtrack. (laughs) 
Missy Elliott's on it and Blake 182's on it. Wow. It was built for me in a what? fucking lab, dude. That's yeah. All right, I can dig it. But anyway, can do you have any closing thoughts on Green Day? I love it. This might not be the uh, last that we see of Green Day. Cool. So my first choice for tonight might actually surprise you a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but I am, this is a new song to me, I have to say. When I was doing some research on 95, 96, um, I have to give a shout out to Spin Magazine. Um, back in t- 2016 and 2015, put out the top like best alternative rock song, songs uh, from... 95 and 96 respectively mm-hmm. and uh so I was I was looking through those to just like kind of remind myself like what even happened in those years mm-hmm. so this was one this band played warp at the beginning and then I also think came back like in the late or mid 2000s mm-hmm. um and this is this is one of their uh I think more well-known songs I'm excited yeah so this is my first pick For a day by Dancehall Crashers, off of their album Lockjaw, um, and they're actually a ska band. Which dude, like I, you know me, I don't really ever listen to ska. I fucking so. love ska. <laughs> I right, I like, it's uh, that actually that song too doesn't have as much brass as some of their other ones. Right. So it's not quite as. It feels a lot more punk and a lot yeah. less ska, but there's still the ska vibes. Yeah. So that. Um, that was off of their, like I said, Lockjaw, which is technically their second studio album. Uh, their first, like, there was an original band that was started by um, Matt Freeman and Tim Armstrong from Operation Ivy, which hmm. was like an old school punk band from the late yeah. 80s. Um, and they split off and formed Dancehall Crashers. Uh, and they released a self-titled album in, I think, like, 90 or 91, and then, like, immediately broke up. <laughs> wow. So, um, like, the rest of the band that put out Lockjaw, like, came together and they put this out. Um, the fun fact, the vocalist, the, like, main vocals, Elise Rogers, also manages the band and, for a time, managed Good Charlotte. Holy shit. I know, right? Cause <laughs> Can we hang out with her? Where is she at? I don't know. I think... I don't think they've put anything out since 2004. I love Good Charlotte. I can't wait for us to do like, oh, two to oh, five. I'm going to have oh, a fucking time. It's going to be a time, yeah. Um, so I picked this because I am almost positive that they were on like a 2005 or 2000, probably the 2004, if that was their last year, 
compilation I just always remember like the names stuck with me like I love that mm-hmm. idea of dance hall crashers of like very much that kind of like coming into the school gym and like being the kind of like edgy kids mm-hmm. that like ruin the preppy kids time you Lindsay know? Lohan and Freaky Friday 100% um I really appreciate the especially in this song uh the vocals like he- a it's female which it women are underrepresented in Hell yeah. every genre we're going to talk about um, but especially I feel like in ska um, and the vocals in, like in this song the two women sing the, in harmony the entire time I didn't realize it was two women yeah I thought it was just layered I thought it was the same chick no it's that's two. impressive it is it's Elise Rogers and Karina uh, Denike there's an accent over the E so I'm going to assume it's Denike um and they sing in these really tight harmonies, and the rest of the album and their next album uh, that was released after this, they have some really really tight harmonies that are like almost barbershop-like, wow. which is a really interesting tone because it's like, barbershop gives you that idea of like, you know, candy stripers and like the 50s. Um, My college roommate specifically did a lot of uh, barbershop. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Except, right? Like... It's... I have very distinct memories of <laughs> the girl right, I lived right. with, but you know, I get what you mean. Exactly. It's a uh, barber, yeah, barbershop evokes like a very much like a certain feeling for everybody. Um, so I, I really do appreciate that in this song that they have that really tight harmony. The whole whole song, the whole song. Wonder what they think about what they can get from me. I guess the land above me, whatever it is they want to see. part of this that just like really cements it in the middle of the 90s was it has like a repeated that repeated phrase uh, again and again and the bridge is just the guitar solo which basically just does scales the whole time and it's just like really it's so fun dish yeah rock. it is it's it kind of feels a little by the books but in a good way yeah what do you think i completely agree i mean it's what is the word for that? When you just want to fucking like shake your head really fast and there's so much going on and you're, but there's so little going on because mm-hmm. like you're overwhelmed and yet underwhelmed because they're, it's so beautiful in its simplicity, but it's also layered. Like you said, like I didn't even know that was a harmony. I just thought that was mixed that way. Yeah. That's so impressive. And it is layered and there is a lot going on, but it's also so simple. Yeah. It's like the pop punk Scott equivalent of easy listening. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It It's like weirdly yes. soothing, but also like makes me shake my head nonstop and yeah. like revs me up. And I love that you picked a female led band. I did not this week. Oops. Again, but what a vibe. And I think too, yeah, I mean, there aren't, I mean, I'm sure they exist. There just aren't that many famous mainstream, well-known, well-promoted female led bands in these subgenres that we're talking mm-hmm. about. I mean, obviously no doubt. Yeah. Which, spoiler alert, neither of us picked. No. Um, and I don't really consider No Doubt Ska. I know they're technically Ska, but meh. Yeah. And I like No Doubt, and I've seen No Doubt live and had a great time with them, but, like, you can really list on one hand 
female-led bands from this era in, like, literally over 20 years. I'm like, okay, there's, like, five I can think of mm-hmm. <laughs> off yeah. the top of my head that, like, did okay, that people know about. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you picked this. I forgot Dancehall Crashers existed. Yeah. So that was de- a delight. And the song's just fun. And, I mean, what we said, man, I want to get in a fucking Jeep without a top on it and fucking drive to the school from fucking 10 Things I Hate About You. Exactly. It's just, yeah. It's, it's so a, fun. Mm-hmm. Or, like, hang out with Eliza Dushku from Bring It On. Yes. And, yeah. like, go to the beach. Yes. You know what I mean? It very, it really has a, and the, the band, I think it was originally from the Bay Area, so it really has that Hell California. Yeah, bitch. yeah, It's got that California driving vibe. Oh, we're going to talk about some California <laughs> fucking vibes later. I got opinions and I got memes. <laughs> love that should we move on yes please what's our next song all right so this is a band i'm pretty sure you know but you'll never guess oh no you this song you will not know this is not the band you know oh oh god okay but it's from 1995 i it's a gem i discovered it on accident excellent No, sorry, that was the next song. I don't even know. I have no idea. Like, you're gonna shit. So the song is called I Wanna Get a Mohawk, parenthetical, but mom won't let me get one. Oh my god. It's by AFI. (gasps) No. That was AFI. Oh my god. That was Kiss My Eyes and Lay Me to Sleep fucking AFI. What a journey they have taken in their musical career. Yeah, so like, as a fucking emo scene kid from the mid-2000s, I know AFI from their later shit. I know fucking... Which was like very moody, gothy, atmosphere. Oh, And this lead singer was so andro and so hot and like wore glitter on SNL and eyeliner and my dad (laughs) made fun of him and I was so mad. Um, But this is off the album Answer That and Stay Fashionable. My favorite thing about it is that they're mirroring the Reservoir Dogs poster in it. And the album came out in 95. Nice. It's just like, could you get more 90s than like recreating a Reservoir Dogs poster, (laughs) playing this fucking punk shit, having a song that's barely over a minute long and just rages the whole time and then cuts out. And so my favorite part about all of it is the fucking lyrics. So you probably couldn't understand all the lyrics. So I will read them to you. Excellent. I may be 10 years old, but I still know what's up. I wear my cramps shirt almost every single day. I want to sag my pants. I want to pogo dance, but mom won't let me, so I might just run away. And then it's, I want to ride my skate. I want to stay out late. And it gets really aggro. And um, I want to go to shows. Don't want to pierce my nose. I want to get a mohawk, but mom won't let me get one. Oh, my God. So I understand objectively that this is satire. I wish I discovered this song when I was 10 because I would have taken it as gospel. Yes. It's just such a fucking journey. 
What I love about it is it's literally barely over a minute. I think, what's the runtime on that? Like a minute 13? Yeah. Minute 46, technically. Yeah, it's like not no, quite. It's a minute 12, sorry. Yeah, it's like barely over a minute. It's, it slaps the whole time. Super fast, super aggressive. He's shouting. Yes. But it's so self-aware and it's poking fun and yet. It's poking fun and yet you like genuinely get revved up and feel mad and like relate to the subject of the song. Like you relate to the narrator. <laughs> the whole point is that it's a joke, but it's not a joke because that shit's real, man. And I just love, part of why I wanted to pick it for this, even though AFI was not on the lineup this year. And in fact, I don't know for sure if they ever played Warped. I'm sure they did. I was just too lazy to Google it. But why I picked this specifically is AFI, I just so distinctly remember from their later years being like an emo band that I loved and followed. But I picked this song because I think it represents everything that Warped Tour was and became and grew into. And that was, it was like a punk suburban moment it i mean it pop punk it it can't be put better than that it's Mm -hmm. both punk and diy and angry and anarchist and pop like commercialized and so well known and mainstream it manages to be both at the same time and so i think this song is so perfect because it it reads like an angry fucking punk song (laughs) but the subject of it is poking fun but it slaps like an angry fucking punk song yeah but the crux of it is that you're not hard. You're a fucking 10-year-old who wears a cramps t-shirt and pretends <laughs> that you know struggle. So it just encapsulates everything that I think the scene represents to me as a whole. Yeah. And especially, like, young kids going to fucking 1995 Warped and just, like, jumping around and being mad. And then going back home and getting bees on their tests. Like, <laughs> you know? It, that's just... Yeah. So tell me your thoughts. I had absolutely no... I could... There was something with the voice. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I... It's, like, I remember this somewhere, but, like, I would never... It would have taken me years to guess AFI. Um, because they have they had quite the renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, from a quick uh, Wikipedia search, they played apparently only in 2001, but okay. potentially more. Um, I, <laughs> I love that so far between the Green Day that we've picked and this, like, there's just definitely a theme of, like, I'm gonna rebel against my parents. Yeah, like, it's like I'm so mad at yeah. what? Nothing's wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're just mad at nothing. You're just like a suburban kid, and it's just like, but no, I'm mad. Um, and I, I <laughs> that was like the only lyric I heard was like, "Mom won't let me." And I was exactly. like, I appreciate this, right? Which I think was probably a deliberate choice because, like you mentioned, a lot of the pop vocal, or, excuse me, punk, pop punk vocals. Uh, especially in the 90s, were kind of lazy. Like, there really wasn't a lot of enunciation. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, what's the vibe? What's but I wouldn't even call it lazy. I would, it was so calculated. Yeah. It was so, <laughs> but, but we I mean, say artfully it disheveled, to quote our beloved Max Bemis. There we go. It was so artfully sloppy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> especially with this, I think, like, there was a there was a lot of genius and, like, the only thing you're going to be able to understand is mom won't let me. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't really have too many other thoughts, except that I think I agree with what you said, that it just kind of is this perfect little just, like, blip of, like... It's just, like, is... a morsel of yes. that moment, that movement. And, like, you're so mad to your bone. And you don't know why, yeah. but you are. Right. So you're going to fucking slap to this song yeah. and pretend it's not ironic. So I might just disobey
for my second choice? Hell yeah. All right. released in 95 okay and uh so she was definitely on the radio waves while kids were driving to work yeah exactly and so this is a portishead um they're originally from england uh i guess they're technically like an electronic band actually they've apparently been considered one of the pioneers of trip hop music I've never heard that until this moment, but it feels so distinctly accurate. Yeah, right? Which I think one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this song in today was because I really felt like the 90s, especially listening back to so much of the music, there were so many subgenres. Like, within the alternative scene, I really felt like just all of a sudden alternative split into... Like, we got out of grunge, and we still had punk really strong, but it was just like all of a sudden you had, like pop punk was happening and um, riot girl was happening at the same time yeah ska was happening fucking the whole white dude angry hip-hop 311 limp biscuit was happening Fugazi thing yes no one was quite over grunge yet but we were but we weren't right Foo fighters were like just coming to be exactly it was a moment yeah and i think a lot of that you know like a lot of this, like, subgenres were able to start because of the technology that was built in yes. in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of, like, you know, left, like, Depeche Mode and, like, started coming into, like, the rock genres. Um, this song in particular, it's the last song, actually, off of the whole Oh, that's yeah. bold. Right. To have a single, because that, I think, is the only song I would know offhand from them off the top of my head. Yeah. And usually it's, like, track number two, track number three mm-hmm. is, like, your pivotal, and they, that's a bold choice. Right? It's, it was their third single from the album, but it was the last one, and honestly, I, it's probably my favorite song of the album. Um, it's the song itself samples Ike's Rap Number Two by Isaac Hayes and the bass line from the Wallace Collection song Daydream, um, which I, you can really hear in that very jazzy, kind of bluesy oh, yeah. club vibe. Like you said, like smoke a cigarette, you just are, in, it's so atmospheric. You're instantly like 
yeah, I'm just going to kind of sway and like sip on my like whiskey and mm-hmm. have a, you know, have a cigarette and just kind of like look at everybody in the room. It's like one of those where like no one's talking in the room, you know, mm-hmm. like everybody's just kind of looking at each other and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's going on. to again create that atmosphere but really um accompany uh Beth Gibbons her vocals on this which are just gorgeous Mm -hmm. because so much of this of the 90s were like a lot of screaming like nobody I mean hello it just played AFI and shouting (laughs) exactly so there really wasn't an emphasis on like let's sound good Mm -hmm. um even in more like contemporary pop styles like you had I mean, outside of, like, hip-hop or R&B, where you actually had singers who were, like, really trying to sing, um, it, you know, you had a lot of... It wasn't necessarily a lot of talented singers, but Beth Gibbons yeah. is legitimately Well, and especially at this time, because Hole was coming to be... I mean, they were on hiatus at this moment in time, because Kurt had just died. Right. But, I mean, Hole at this time, the whole Riot Girl movement, I mean, arguably, none of them could properly sing, and that's right. the point. Right. So to have someone on the radio waves at the same time really properly singing and really properly blending all of these genres and all of these eras together was really bold. From this time, unchained, we're all looking at a different picture through this new frame of mind. picked this but why'd you pick it for this what made you think of it for like our warp tour lens i'm so curious i know well so first of all i really again wanted to bring to the forefront a female-led band Mm -hmm. and again unfortunately there really there aren't a lot of singers uh, or excuse me there aren't a lot of bands actually out of all of the bands that were in 95 the inaugural year of warp tour there were only three that contained women Mm -hmm. out of like 21 so while Portis had never played Warped, I I think this song was like would have been right like would have been a nice uh, kind of palate cleanser for some of the songs that like would have mm-hmm. been played in some of those bands that again were a little more heavy, mm-hmm. a little more rough and tumble. Like this song is definitely sounds more polished and definitely has more production on it than a lot mm-hmm. of those songs, but I think it represents kind of that era of again and yet another subgenre within alternative rock that yeah. was Warped Tour. I mean, the fact that it's alternative at all. Yes. I mean, alternative wasn't a thing until this point in time, really. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that it existed, but there wasn't a word for it. There wasn't a general, larger umbrella for what these groups were doing. Yeah. And I think this is such a great song in general, but I think it's also such a great song for our purposes for this episode because it is a melting pot and it's so many different things it's not one thing yeah and i mean even the more simple pop punk song i mean even the afi song i just picked it 
was punk, but it was pop, but it was satire, but it was alternative, but it was none of those things, but it was all of those things. Whereas I think this is similar but different, where it is jazz, it is R&B, it is ska in a way, if you really want to argue. You know, like, it's a little bit of a million things in a completely opposite way of what I picked. But I think that's why they both fit this, because I think at the end of the day, Warped is about new shit, up mm-hmm. and coming shit, yes. and a melting pot of things. Yeah. I mean, and we me- I mentioned briefly, like, 311 was on the lineup. 311 yeah. was rapping. Yeah. But they weren't a punk band, but they weren't a rap group. Right. But they were, but they weren't. Yeah. Which is, isn't that what punk kind of is, about, like, yeah. it's almost undefinable, and if you try to define punk, you're then, like, yeah, it's you're a, I feel like punk. it's inherently a deconstruction. Yeah. Of a bunch of different things, and then you throw them all together and make it sound kind of angry, and you have punk. Exactly. There's got to be some kind of angst. Yeah. If it like even some in, sort of pleading, some sort of whining, and yes. I think she's got that there. But it oh, just sounds totally. so much prettier than everyone else's whining. Exactly. Yeah. Because even in the dance hall crashers, which is like this, you know, that song is like so kind of fun, and like we were talking about kind of like mm-hmm. high school and like rom commy, but still like there is that kind of like no, like we you know let's like that repetitiveness of like no 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 we need to like something needs to change something needs to happen. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that was my second pick. My little, a little bit of a black sheep on the episode, but I, I, I love that song. So. I'm really glad you picked it. It's so I'm picking this song as my final song because it represents a lot of things for me. And I think it's very representational of this moment and of where Warped was that year and where it ended up going. So I picked this, but I have a bunch of honorable mentions to talk about after this, (laughs) but this is what I landed on. I am still living with your ghost Lonely and dreaming of the West Coast I don't want to be your downtown I don't want to be your stupid game With my big black boots and an old suitcase I do believe I'll find myself a new place I don't want to be the bad guy I don't want to do your sleepwalk dance So that was Santa Monica by Everclear. If you didn't know, read a fucking book, dude. <laughs> that was the number one song by Everclear on Spotify. I probably, Understandably so. Yeah. Though so Father of Mind autoplayed and I really wanted it to go. I really want to play it. Um, so yeah, so I mentioned I struggled to pick. But I ultimately landed on this for a bunch of reasons. But I love song-wise kind of similar to Brain Stew. There's this like underlying steadiness to the whole mm-hmm. song 
that kind of lulls you into this like sense of security like you feel like you've come home but then it's constantly building it's constantly changing they'll throw in a random guitar riff they'll alter the vocals i also love about this is it has the simplicity of punk underlying it all but his voice actually does shit i really love his vocal performance on this i am still dreaming of your I mean, it's called Santa Monica. The whole song is about, fuck this, I want to go to the beach. <laughs> it's about not wanting to sleepwalk through life. It's about hating the establishment. It's about wanting to just set fucking loose and go out to the coast and fucking swim out past the breaker and live your fucking life. And I think that's so representative of this moment and of Warped. I mean, Vans is a product of SoCal. I think Warped is a big product of SoCal. Blink-182 is a big product of SoCal. So many of these bands were SoCal specifically and so California oriented and a, most of the bands that weren't from California sang about wanting to be in California <laughs> and it's just such a mood and I'm a California kid so that always was like, oh, let's go. It's summertime. Let's yeah. do it. Let's live it. But I think, too, I can only imagine, I mean, you're a Midwest kid, you can talk about it yourself, but, like, I think there was this romanticism of yes. fuck the establishment, fuck your shitty job, fuck school, go out to the beach, go out to a fucking warped tour, go out to the fucking concerts, be in the scene, be free, be yourself, and let loose. And I love this, too, because I always feel like Everclear is a little more mature than everyone else. They're a little more settled in their sound. The vocals are a little more sure of themselves. It always feels like you're talking to an adult man instead of like a teen who's whining. <laughs> and so I kind of wanted that as like, a. it's a little bit of a palate cleanser from the other two songs I picked, but it's also weirdly similar to the other two songs I picked because yeah. of those messages and because of those um, sentiments, you know? Yeah. But please. Yeah, I don't think they, I, which is so surprising to me, but I don't think they ever played Warped Tour. Yeah, I don't think so either, and I was so butthurt, and that was part of why I struggled picking it, because I picked three bands that did not play Warped Tour in this era, but all of these songs came out at this time. Yeah. And I would argue that all of those bands were playing shows in their own right and yeah. didn't need Warped. To, yeah. AFI probably did, but like, <laughs> like Everclear was always its own thing, Everclear yeah. always had its own fan base, and I think that's part of the disconnect with the Warped crowd, yeah. is so much of the Warped crowd were young people coming to these shows and the bands that played Warped at this time I think were very equal to yeah. the key demo. Yeah. Whereas I think Everclear, like I said, they were always a little more mature. They were always a little more grown up. They're kind of like pop punk dads in a yes. way. Even in their heyday, I think they were always yeah. kind of pop punk dads in a vibe. And maybe that's just me being an infant when this happened. But that's the vibe <laughs> I always got from them. And I, I mean, I just love that song. And it's a hit and it doesn't feel super aged it doesn't quite feel timeless but i like that it feels like yeah this came out in 95 i believe that yeah. but i could still listen to it tomorrow unironically in the car outside of this podcast and enjoy it and drive out to the coast and just enjoy it yeah absolutely i uh i that's the perfect way to put everclear is like the pop punk dads because i'm pretty sure 
I only ever knew about Everclear because a friend of mine in middle school's dad loved them. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay, like, yeah. Her but dad, her dad was young in the 90s and probably exactly. ripped it at yeah, these concerts exactly. and got wasted yeah. and like hung out. But, <laughs> but it's still, yeah. I don't know if it's a generational thing or what. I'm sure any I listeners his, that are over the age of 30 are pissed. But I agree that I think his sound, his vocal sound is definitely, there's like a, a, a richer quality, mm-hmm. I guess, in his sound where it's like he just sounds like older yeah like his you you would imagine that his speaking voice would sound older whereas like if you listen to um you know billy joe at the you know in the mid 90s i you know i i have if you listen to like an interview with him i'm sure he would like probably sound like he's in his 20s like you know yeah um well most of our i think most of our favorite bands it's like if you listen to old fallout boy Patrick Stump's voice has totally changed. You listen to the dorm room demos of Max Bemis and Say Anything, his voice has totally changed. And I think Everclear really made it when they were already established and he already had a rich voice and he already had a way of singing, whereas all these other guys were finding their voice and that's what was so appealing about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I agree that there's that same... uh, Like, I don't know, it's not quite the same chord progression, but it's very similar rhythmically with the guitars between this Santa Monica and Brain Stew where in, in Santa Monica we've got the da-na, 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 da-na. so it's two chords and you're basically going just between them and then with Brain Stew it's um, that almost it's almost identical it's just slightly different with the uh, like just uh, the rhythm is like slightly different but it's it's literally you're just again going between two chords but it stays so steady that whole time it's just like it's their foundation yeah it's i would almost argue it's more rhythmic than the drums like the drum has a more exciting in both songs the drum has like a more exciting and like varying role than the guitars did which is what i love about pop punk yeah (laughs) and i think the bass lines were really steady and then the drums got really crazy yeah which (laughs) is a fun way yeah exactly which is kind of nice because i do think that the drummers usually get kind of stuck with the which like importers said the drummer definitely got stuck with the like you have to keep this time because that's a very much like a jazz quality too of like mm-hmm. you have to keep everybody on stage at the same like if you fuck yeah. up the whole thing's gonna fuck up so i mentioned earlier that green day would make another yes today and i have to say <laughs> i love that we've consistently picked the same go-to band yeah, right. well, so okay so rachel and i the idea with these kind of song episodes is that we don't tell each other what the songs are so that it can be kind of fun for us to like kind of see what the other person came up with um, so I also picked Green Day, <laughs> but I picked from a different album, and um, that technically the album came out in t- t- uh, 94, but the single I picked came out in 95. I was going to say, so, I was like, I checked, because the only album in this age, in this year range, age range, was the album I picked, which was I know, but forgive me, I feel like this I'm album... I'm excited to see what you picked. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to play it, then we'll talk about it.
So that was She by Green Day off of their album Dookie, which, yes, I will give you, came out in 94, February 1st of 94, so a day before my third birthday. Love that journey for you. <laughs> um, it was what like, a gift. Did your parents get you Dookie for your birthday? They didn't. I gave them Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> that was a dumb joke, but I loved it. Please I keep it in. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was their third studio album. Uh, it was on Remember Prize Records. Uh, again, Great Day played, worked in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I picked... So she was released as a single in 95. So like mm-hmm. it, it counts enough. Um, and this was actually this album. I, I wanted to pick Dookie really just as a whole because, oh, man, I mean, it was just... I feel like it was just such an album. It was yeah. like the pop punk album that kicked everything off. Mm-hmm. And it's credited with really bringing punk back into um, mainstream, which again... Which feels oxymoronic. Exactly. But I get what you mean. Right. But then um, Billy Joe and uh, Mike Dirt and Trey Cool were like, we're just doing our fucking thing. And that not that what punk is? Um, and honestly, they've stood the test of time better than like yeah. almost any other band. So... I feel like, you know, they, they deserve to be on here twice. Um, well, and what's the beautiful paradox of punk, I think, is that the punk that people really know, that people really identify with, are it's about being an outsider, and it's about being frustrated with the system and being frustrated with the regular mechanics of regular life, which is something that all people can identify with. Yeah. So it's so paradoxical because punk at its core, when it does itself right, yeah. should relate to everyone. Because yeah. everyone feels like an outsider and everyone wants to get out of their routine. Yes. So it's, and that's why I love pop punk, because pop punk was a movement where we embraced the fact that there's no such thing as true punk. Mm-hmm. And we're all just here to have a good fucking good time. And we want, we all want to get out of it. We all want to get out of our heads. We all want to be free. We all want to enjoy ourselves. And I think Green Day leaned into that. And they're like, yeah, people think we're sellouts. Fuck them. We don't care. Yeah. Like, they, we're playing music and we're making money playing music. And isn't that the fucking dream? We're part of the system, <laughs> but whatever. Right, exactly. And God bless them. American Idiot is so fucking funny that it did so well that it's so well known. <laughs> because they're fucking Canadian. I think so many people didn't know they were Canadian. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, it's like self-referential. It's like, no, they're not American. They're just yeah. shitting on America. Right. Yeah. And we all agreed with them. And it still stands the test of time. So I love them for a lot of reasons. And I had a really kick-ass Green Day shirt that I stole from my brother that I wore all the time in um, middle school. But yeah. I love that you picked that. I It's a it's a great album. Um, I would say the honorable mentions off of it are obviously Longview and mm-hmm. uh, When I Come Around. When I Come Around was also released uh, in 95. I love Hate That Song because it's like the pop punk equivalent of Muzak to me because yes. I've heard it so much <laughs> yes. that I can't anymore. When I come around. Like, yeah. oh, I, I kind of hate that, that song now because I've heard it so time. much. It's yeah. the ringtone of pop punk death. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. But I admit that it is that way for a reason. Right. Um, so, I mean, lyrically, she is, um, Billy Joel went and wrote, uh, wrote the lyrics to that. Did you say Billy Joel? I know, it sounded like that. It's so hard. <laughs> Billy Joel. You know, Billy Joel, the pop punk icon. <laughs> yeah, right, you know. Um, Billy Joel wrote the lyrics to she as a, um, uh, like for a gift for the, his, the girlfriend at the time that he had who, like, 
read him some feminist poem at the time, and it was like his kind of like gift back to her or something. Love that. Yeah. Um, I really do agree with you that I his vocals on this song, he really gets to just kind of sing light and easy. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to push too hard. It's a little different from the whininess of Brain Stew. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of a night. Like it's just a a, a slightly more gentle approach to his singing, yeah. which I appreciate. I think it was a nice um, preview of what was to come for them in the new millennium, too. Yes. Because, I mean, Punch Up the Jam, honorable mention, my favorite podcast of all time, please have us on. Um, Punch Up the Jam just did Time of Your Life by Green Day, and I loved what they had to say about it. And they mentioned, like, Green Day was afraid to play that fucking song because they knew they'd get heckled because their key demo was not down for feelings shit. Yeah. And then... Later, Wake Me Up When September Ends was a huge fucking hit. Right. Time of Your Life was a fucking hit. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, Good Riddance is what it's actually called. But, um, I mean, Billy, Joe really felt things and made songs about feeling things and wasn't afraid to do so. And I think that really paved the way for a lot of bands to kind of get out of that pop punk square, mm-hmm. that little kind of cage of like, I'm mad and girls are whores. Yes you were allowed to be more than that. And I think that also kind of paved the way for the emo movement because then that was the antithesis of the like misogyny pop punk thing in a lot of ways of like, I'm going to feel so much and I'm going to put my feelings in your face and I'm going to cry on you. (laughs) And I think, I mean, Green Day walked so everyone else could run. Yes, exactly. Rachel, what are some of your honorable mentions from 95, 96? Girl, do I have some? (laughs) I'm going to first throw out um, the song Bored by Deftones. Nice. Deftones actually played Warped at this time, yes. and then, so I super considered playing the song, but I thought in light of, I knew I had to do Brain Stew because it's my favorite Green Day song and it fit the era so perfectly, but I think Bored is a really similar um, message of like, you're just fucking bored and you hate everything and you're so mad, and I love how mad Deftones get, but they're like mad in a sexy way to me. <laughs> Yeah. that I love and I'm I hope and I think that board will come up again in a different episode for me it'll actually be my song that I pick because it is a lot of things and I really like it I had uh down by 311 on here simply because they played that year mm-hmm. and that's their biggest hit <laughs> and it makes sense and it, I think part of why I loved the Portisette song that you picked is because it kind of represents why I wanted to bring in the 311 thing of like 311 was kind of taking a note from Limp Biscuit and like bringing rap and hip hop into this pop punk world and like meshing all these genres and not really being one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I thought that was worth talking about, but we ended up covering that on your song instead. And honestly, I have a love hate relationship with down because it's so annoying, but I can fuck <laughs> with it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those songs, like if I'm drunk enough, I'll rage to it. And if I'm drunk enough, I'll talk shit about it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and then my two, I have a two for here where beyond part of why I didn't pick them is because I don't think they fit the pop punk genre perfectly and I don't think they fit the warp genre perfectly I just think they're two fucking songs that came out at this time that still fucking slap and are so good and that is Come Out and Play by The Offspring uh-huh, uh-huh. and The Distance by Cake Nice. and they're arguably the best known songs by both of those bands yep. I mean both of them have great songs I also love Short Skirt Long Jacket like Cake has yes. some good shit and The Offspring has some great shit but both of those songs came out at this time and I think they fit the vibe but they didn't quite feel right for this warped tour lens which is why i didn't include them but i just want to 
pay homage to those two songs because they're awesome in their own right outside of the genre they're just great and then my final honorable mention is um only happy when it rains by garbage uh garbage was doing really amazing things they're arguably my favorite female-led band from this time it's probably a tie with hole i fucking love hole and that will come up more in this podcast i'm sure but (laughs) garbage was doing some really amazing things they're still doing amazing things shirley manson is a dime and she's so talented she's so cool and stupid girl was arguably their bigger hit off of uh this time off of that album in this time but i think stupid girl is indicative of the like internalized misogyny like People it's kind of the precursor to misery business in a lot of ways and like you and i like zoe and i were just at a gay bar like a couple weeks ago and all of these guys were singing so enthusiastically all of these cute gay boys were singing so enthusiastically to stupid girl and it seemed like they meant it and it felt very weird <laughs> and it felt very misogynistic and so i didn't that's a dishonorable mensch that that song was happening at that time and it is objectively a bop but the message of it makes me uncomfortable Whereas I picked Only Happy When It Rains because it was the precursor to the emo movement. And I love that song and it still slaps. It just didn't feel exactly right for what we were talking about today. I wanted to go with like the more pop punky, tradish, warped tour vibes to lead up to our warped tour history episode. Um, I actually picked Garbage too for my honorable mention. I did pick Supergirl and Vow. Vow was my other one that I chose. Mm. Um, I was reading an article today that was trying to say that Supergirl was actually like a was really feminist in some way. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Um, There's definitely a conversation we had about it, and I would love to talk about it in another episode. I think Stupid Girls, plural by Pink, is also an interesting conversation. Because mm-hmm. it's at once a feminist anthem and a totally misogynistic anthem. It's definitely cutting down other women. Yeah, and the music video is really problematic, but it's really entertaining. And I lived for it when it came out. Yeah. And, I mean, Stupid Girl, I think, is the same. Yeah, you could argue it, but I think at the end of the day... The medium is the message and making a pop song that at its core has a catchy chorus that just says you're a stupid girl and you're dumb and we hate you, essentially. Whether or not you meant it to mean it or not, right. people sing it unironically and believe it. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I don't I don't want to support it in this, in this situation. Fair enough. But I get why you would pick it. Um, more than anything, just to be like, that was... Like, yeah, just that it was garbage, a fucking like, bop from this era it, yeah. and garbage was like new and great. Um, so I was just looking up... Weirdly enough, The Offspring didn't play Warped Tour in two thousand until 2005. I know. It's crazy. It took them a really long time to get there. Ten years. Yeah. I like to think they were just too successful and had too many tours going Probably. I mean, probably. Which is likely. Yeah. Um, so I do have a handful, and I'm just going to run through the ones that I picked. First of all, the Ramones apparently were still making music in the mid-90s. Yeah, they were. Fun times. They have a, a cover, I Don't Want to Grow Up, from their Adios Amigos. Yep. Which, it's not their best song, but I just wanted to include them because the Ramones, LOL. Um, my other ones were uh, Veruca Salt. <gasps> I love Veruca Salt. That was the song that I played to start. Um, I didn't even clock that. What were we playing before? This is Number One Blind by Veruca Salt. Yes! They're so good. Their this distortion is, yeah. is so satisfying. Yes. There's a lot of dis- Seether slaps to this day, and I play it all the time. It is. It's very Seether-esque. It's, there's a lot of distortion. It's another female-led band. Their bass fucking slaps. Yeah. Um, so they were definitely like in the running for this. For today, they would have fit well. I also think that they... I think at least the single came out in 95. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, and I love the, like, whispers singing leading into, like, the shout singing. 
I dislike both of those kinds of singing, but I but it works for her. For her, yeah. I very rarely do I enjoy those singings. The other songs that I'll say, face to face, disconnected. It's a really like kind of traditional punk out anthem. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of your white bro, just like mad, you know. Yeah. Um, I feel like, of course, we have to mention no doubt. I'm just like I'm just a girl off of Trazzy. Yeah, I mean, I. I don't, I'm not a big, I've never been a big No Doubt fan. I'm not wild about Gwen Stefani, but I appreciate No Doubt for what it was. And, like, again, I think, like, another female-led band, it's yeah. always important to, like, bring I think Gwen to- broke a lot of ground for a lot of people. True. Uh, I hate that she wore a fucking bendy the whole time. Yeah. But, you know, she's been everyone did dumb shit in the 90s. There was a lot, and this is a definitely a conversation for another podcast, there was a lot of cultural appropriation. So I mean, much. always, but, like... Especially in the 90s, and it was mm-hmm. celebrated in yeah. the 90s, which was interesting. I mean, the 90s was the birthplace of heroin chic, which is so fucked. Yeah. And cultural appropriation, because it was, like, even in, like, Friends and shit, people were wearing, like, quote-unquote, like, oriental, like, Chinese Oof. silk blouses and bendies and just all the cultural appropriation. It was so weird and so shady. And I mean, I'm, like, I'm kind of glad I was a baby at that point, because I got to grow out of that and not really be a part of it. I am glad that we're more aware of when it's not okay. It's yeah. never okay, but, like, that it's not okay. I mean, it's definitely been... In music, cultural appropriation has been something that's been happening for centuries. I mean, yeah. Puccini was doing it with Turn Dot and uh, Madame Butterfly. Uh, Bizet did it with Carmen, in a way. You know, Carmen is written all in French, but it's set in Seville, Spain. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily a new concept, but I... It was so prevalent in the 90s for some reason. Yeah. So, anyway, definitely... A, it was, like, in vogue to yes. rip off another culture. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, of course, and this was our lyric to start us off today, but Beck and where it's at. Yeah. All right. So those were some of our notable, yeah. favorite, interesting songs from 1995 and 1996, the first two years of Warped Tour. Some bands that played Warped Tour, some bands that did not, some bands that played Warped Tour much later yeah. than maybe they should have. And stay tuned for next week, because we're going to talk about the bands that actually did play Warped Tour <laughs> and get into some of the nitty-gritty history of it, how it all started. We'll definitely talk about a lot of the bands that you wish we talked about in this episode, I'm sure. <laughs> Those of you that were shouting in your car at us that we didn't pick no effects, yeah listen to next week we tried (laughs) we'll get there we tried join us next time on a work to remember bye we're keeping it pretty toy